Thanks so much to Pete Mickeljohn for reading our first lesson today. You read good, Pete. Actually, that's the title of this first little message, or close to it. The the actual title is, You Prayed Good. So there's an old movie at this point, I hate to say, a 2003 movie called Bruce Almighty uh, that stars Jim Carrey, and he's the Bruce in the title. And then Morgan Freeman is playing God, as Morgan Freeman does so well. And uh, the the crux of the movie is that uh, grace is both a theological concept and the name of uh, Bruce's wife, who loves him incredibly deeply, but he can never reciprocate that because he's so into himself and it damages their relationship to the point of ending it. And of course, you get to this big climactic scene, which involves Bruce and, and God in this conversation. And, and so God says, Bruce, play, pray for what you most want to pray for. And he prays this like ridiculously surface prayer. And God's kind of like, you know, you want to try that again and pray for, pray for what's really important to you. And when Bruce prays that prayer the second time, he prays for grace that she would find happiness, whether or not it has anything to do with him. She just wants it for her. And when he finishes that prayer, Morgan Freeman first says, now that's a prayer. And then they both kind of joke with each other, good, uh, that's a good prayer that, that Bruce just offered. And then the movie ends happily ever after, after a few other dramatic little scenes in between there. Um, you prayed good. Now, that is something that the person who wrote the first lesson today would never actually say. Uh, The person who wrote it or the group that wrote it is known collectively as the Deuteronomistic historian uh, who writes many of the histories of the Hebrew scriptures and is very serious and very formal. And maybe you heard that a little bit in the vocabulary uh, of the reading. But uh, how today's reading is set up is that Uh, King David has died, and now his young son Solomon has ascended to the throne. And God comes to him in kind of this genie-in-the-bottle moment and says, I'll give you whatever you pray for. This is in a dream, and, and Solomon prays, and he prays aware of his youth and aware of the daunting task of leading this large kingdom. And, and all Solomon prays for is the wisdom to discern good from evil. And then it's almost like a moment from that movie, as it's as wild and crazy as the Deuteronomistic historian gets, uh, because the historian observes that, that God is, is, is so struck by, by Solomon's prayer and says, because you, you didn't pray for power or riches or revenge on your enemies, but for a discerning heart, I'll grant that. I'll more than grant that prayer. You prayed good, Solomon. Have you prayed good people of God? Um, Do you know how to pray? Solomon is all the example you need anytime we're selfless instead of selfish. That's kind of a prayer. Do you want to know how to pray better? Jesus is the perfect teacher. In the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, his disciples interrupt him and say, teach us how to pray. Our Father Forgive us our trespasses. Give us our daily bread. Even when we're, when we're praying alone, that particular prayer, we're still reminded that we're together, that it's always a collective effort when we pray. Have you prayed good lately? 
if you just say thank you to somebody else in a meaningful way, because they really did contribute something to who you are, that's a prayer. That's a great prayer. If instead of being afraid in a moment, you calmly consult with God, you prayed good. Anytime uh, you kind of get beyond your own business and remember to pray for somebody else, anytime you are merciful enough to forgive somebody else because somebody else forgave you and you, you, you track that and you make that real even a little bit, you prayed good. I, I don't know if we pray in more or if we live in more of a, a me world. I, I'm not sure it's changed that much over the centuries. It's just that there are a lot more of us and we're much more aware of everything that's going on around us. So it, it seems, I think, like it's much more of a me sort of world. And that maybe you're almost being left behind if you don't make it about me. But Solomon and Jesus and that deuteromistic historian, and yeah, even, even the secular writers of Bruce Almighty, they're on to the right shtick. They remind us that when you get out of yourself, your life, your awareness, your prayers, they're better. They're alive. They're a gift to you and to others. It's not a bad thing, people have got to be, to feel just a little bit proud anytime you do anything like that in your mind or with your life. It's just fine to imagine God saying to you, in the third person, of course, so you don't get too filled up with yourself, but you prayed good, people. You prayed good. Done. Thanks, Muriel, for sharing the gospel reading with us uh, this week. Uh, The title, if we need one for this little message, is Yes. So when we take our seventh graders to confirmation camp in uh, pre-COVID and hopefully post-COVID times, uh, one of the things we do when we get to the middle of the week, either Matt or I, is we make sure that we do one of the Bible studies out on the canoes, out on the water. Because how often do you get to do a Bible study in a canoe out on the water? And uh, one of the little subliminal things that we're working on in the midst of that is, of course, a Bible study, building you know, a sense of connection, but also learning how to paddle a little bit in hopes that maybe someday some of these kids will end up with us on the Boundary Waters trip. And uh, I, don't, I don't know if you've ever noticed this, when, when you're trying to teach or uh, pass something on to someone else, that there's a certain type of person who will listen really intently to what you're doing, and, and then you'll kind of say to them, so, like, do you think you have it? And they'll say, yeah, I've got it. In the case of canoeing, uh, they start paddling, and right away, zoom, they're off, like, 90 degrees off to the side. Their intentions were great. Their execution, at that point at least, not yet so good. They were perhaps uh, a little overconfident, or they just need more practice. But it's fine, right? It's fine, because you appreciate their, their intent, and you appreciate that they're probably going to get it eventually. Uh, I think of that as a Matthew chapter 13 sort of moment, which is where today's gospel lesson came from. Remember, we're in Matthew all this year. Matthew divides uh, Jesus' teachings up into five sections, starting with the Sermon on the Mount. 
Matthew chapter 13 represents the third of those sections, and it's a collection of sayings and especially parables where Jesus is teaching the people. And, and just like the Sermon on the Mount begins with this momentum of the Beatitudes, chapter 13 comes to an end with this momentum of Jesus saying time and time again what the kingdom of heaven is like. And remember, the kingdom of heaven is not up there. It's Jesus' way of saying, this is what it looks like when God's ways draw near and are practiced in this life. So the kingdom of heaven is like a seed in the ground. It's like the yeast in the loaf. It's like a buried treasure that gets found. It's, it's like a pearl that gets found and brings great joy when it's sold. In other words, the the kingdom of heaven is both the ordinary and special things of life that that we're surrounded by all the time, but we're not fully aware of their presence or power. But when we become aware, not just of their presence, but of their power for good, then that's part of God's way in the midst. It's how the kingdom of heaven draws near. And and then after all of those great parables, Jesus kind of pulls to the end and and he looks out at the crowd and he says, have you understood all of this? And they respond, yes. And you have to think that Jesus was sitting there thinking, "Uh, I'm not totally sure you got all of that stuff totally figured out at this point. But I think he probably appreciated their intent and he probably knew that they were going to get a lot of it at some point. And so he doesn't burst their bubble, but the last thing he says to them is, Uh, In a sense, okay, I don't know if you've got it all, but you are like a scribe who's being trained for the kingdom of heaven. And and part of that gift is that you're, you're learning to take out of your treasure what is old and what is new. In other words, you're you're learning how to respect both the past of what you've learned and also to to live it in a new and different way in the future. That, too, is how the kingdom of heaven draws near. Has Has it felt distant to you, or has it felt close to you, this kingdom of heaven, God's ways? Just knowing the life of our own little faith community, The kingdom of heaven does draw near. It draws near when people from this congregation and our other partners drop off medicines for for people with health conditions or who are older so that they don't have to to go out and risk being exposed to COVID. Um, It it happens when somebody uh, goes online and they order their their own specialty mask to wear. And it's kind of, it's their personality. And and rather than worrying about a mask like suppressing their freedom, it's an expression of their freedom. They get out there with it. It's it's you, maybe, when you you finally take us up on our long-term suggestion to read one chapter of the Gospels a day. And sometimes it's hard, and sometimes you don't get it, and other times it's like, wow, that is, so, that is so true. And you do that for a month, or for three months, or for six months, and, and suddenly you're, you're super aware that, that it has changed you for the better, because you are suddenly more aware of others and yourself, and it's life-giving. The kingdom of heaven draws close. The kingdom of heaven draws near when there's a child Who's, who's experienced a, a loss, and so somebody brings you know, their, their pet over, and, and, and that child draws close to that pet and appreciates their warmth and their playfulness. And in a moment, it, it washes away 
the, the pain of their experience, the kingdom of heaven, it, it does draw near people of God. It, it draws near not because we're so awesome, but I think a lot of times because we get out of our own way and, and we let God's ways and, and we acknowledge the past and anticipate the future rather than fearing them or worrying about them. You know, in the example I gave you at the beginning, um, I, I was thinking of a lot of confirmation students in general, but I, I was thinking of one in particular who was possibly one of the worst paddlers ever as a seventh grader, but that person did eventually go on one of our Boundary Waters trips. And you know what? That person became not the best paddler ever, but they became an, they became an adequate paddler. And, and the other thing they were all along was a great contributor to the group in a lot of different ways. And see, that's the thing. We don't all have to be great at everything, but when we all grow a little bit, then together we grow a lot. And the kingdom of heaven draws near. And God says to you and to me, hey, have you understood all this? And it's not a bad thing at all, people. Not a bad thing at all to say, yes! Done. Done.